Blackhawks fans, and welcome into a winning edition of the Blackhawks on Tap postgame show presented by the Four Feathers Podcast. I am Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Tony Marchese. Blackhawks win a wild one, 4-3. to three. Some late game heroics coming up. Uh, before we get into the game, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter, at Four Feathers Pod and at ontapsportsnet. Now that that's out of the way, Tony what a fucking game. Johnny, I'm feeling fucking fantastic right now. I don't know if I've ever enjoyed watching a game with you more. Like, we, we weren't doing this during the cup runs. This this has to be the best victory that we've ever tasted on this show. Yeah. Like, if there's something on tap tonight... It's victory. Yeah. And, it, the, and the taste is sweet. Oh, it, it, it is sweet, Tony. I, I'm still trying to comprehend uh, the, the way this thing went down um, because the, the Blackhawks trailing going into period number three in this one. Um, goals don't come until the 14-13 mark and 18-44 mark of the third period to eventually tie and then win this game. Um, we're going to get into all of it from the beginning here. But uh, just wild, I agree with you. Definitely the best win that we have discussed here on the show. Show. And the playoffs just mean more. I know people yes. are going to say it's a qualifying round, it's whatever. NHL is counting this as playoff games, yes. and we got a five seed on the ropes right now. Yes, we do. Uh, that that five twelve upset. Uh, the, 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 uh, March, the, March, madness. March Madness, August Madness for August, hockey, baby. August Madness. Uh, we're right there right now. This is if you're if you're, you want to compare it to March Madness, we're, we're going into the final five minutes right now, and we've got them on the ropes. We yeah, got, we got a ten point lead. Uh, the the cheering section is going absolutely nuts. That cheering section would be us. Yes, the, it the, would be. The the sound you hear is the crack of beers. Yes, it is uh, celebratory yes, beers. Celebratory beers. Uh, man, this game, Johnny, had everything you want out of a playoff hockey game. That heart beating out of your chest with ten minutes left to go. Some back and forth action. Everything that you, as a hockey fan, want out of a playoff matchup, and especially if you are hyper-focused on the Chicago Blackhawks, man, this is reminiscent stuff of things that we saw earlier this decade from 2009 into, like, almost, what, 2017? Yeah. Like, this this is what Hawks fans were built on this decade. This is is the game that brings you back and, and, and just really, I mean... Ride that roller coaster. It's nostalgic, it, yeah. You ride that roller coaster of of feelings and emotions, and that's what sets playoff hockey apart from any other sport is games like this. Johnny, let's get right into it. Yeah, let's get into it. So uh, Blackhawks had fallen behind um, in the first two games of the series, even though they came out on top, and it was lopsided in their favor in the first game. If you remember, uh, Edmonton scored first in that game. So this was the first time Blackhawks came out. Uh, Ole Mata, um, his shot gets through at 9-14 mark of the first period. Uh, feeling good after that. Nice to, you know, first of all, weather the storm initially because it was, uh, what, not even almost a minute in uh, for McDavid in Game 2. 
uh, getting on the board for Edmonton, and they were already up 2-0 before the Blackhawks uh, could respond in Game 2. But not the case tonight. Like I said, only modest shot getting through, uh, but it wasn't too long after. That lead didn't hold Leon Dreisaitl, of course, the big guns for Edmonton, coming out. And then uh, Jonathan Taves uh, giving the Blackhawks the lead back, going into the uh, locker room on a power play. Um, pretty wild. They, they mentioned it on the uh, NBC Sports Chicago postgame show, Tony. But Jonathan Taves, two goals tonight, and none of them hit his stick, really. No, neither, <laughs> neither of them did. And, and that's, hey, when you're in the right spot at the right time to be in, in order to do something, uh, that's cool and tough in, in my book. You, you have to be in the right spot. Yeah. So that's, that's half the battle. It doesn't matter if you snipe it. It doesn't matter if you tap it in. A goal is a goal in the NHL. doesn't matter how it gets done. We care about the result. Um, but you, you mentioned Leon Dreisaitl for the Oilers. I, I just want to go back to something that we've talked about extensively on this show is the big guns for your team need to come out and they need to perform. We saw Jonathan Taves tonight do that for the Blackhawks. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are leading the charge for the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, if you're looking across the benches here, their guys are they're, they're guys that are expected to do something are doing them. So we have to take that into account. You saw Connor McDavid go off in game two. You see Leon Dreisaitl pot two tonight. Um, Just something to keep an eye on, Johnny. Yeah, uh, definitely, Tony. Uh, Moving on to the second period here, um, despite the Blackhawks having numerous opportunities on the power play, Edmonton was super undisciplined in the second period. They're the ones that come out and have the two goals in the period. Leon Dreisaitl once again at the 407 mark, and then Connor McDavid uh, down the wire of that second period, only eight seconds left uh, when he scored that power play goal to give Edmonton the lead going into the locker room for the second intermission. Yeah, Johnny, you saw the Hawks do this right at the end of the first with Jonathan Taves' goal. Uh, what did that come at? 1955, uh, five, four seconds left in that period. Uh, the Oilers give the Blackhawks a little bit of a taste of their own medicine right there and score late. It's very cliche, but late period goals do matter. They set the tone mm-hmm. for the next period, um, and, and we kind of saw that uh, with Connor McDavid's goal uh, late. It set the tone for the Oilers. They they seem to have the momentum. Momentum in hockey, Johnny, very important to have. Um, you know, I think that this, like I said earlier, you're riding that roller coaster. You think the Hawks have all the momentum going into the second? We want to break down the second. How many posts did you hit oh, in this yeah. period five, alone? Five posts in the game. I believe a couple of them came in the first, but uh, yeah, five posts overall. Ridiculous. I mean, the Hawks had plenty of chances during this period to put some put some points up on the board. It was more than one. It was more than two. Uh, I think Kirby Doc, uh, mm-hmm. especially, uh, should have been on the score sheet tonight. It was all over the ice, and you know he was making things happen. But hockey's a weird sport, man. It it uh, it doesn't matter if the puck doesn't cross the line. How great this shot was, it didn't count. Yeah. Yep, exactly, Tone. Um, Before we move on to the third period, because it did result in elation, which we'll get to plenty of that uh, in a minute, I do, just going forward, um, you know, Edmonton's going to come out hot in uh, Game 4. It's do or die for them, obviously. But um, with the second period, the thing that just still strikes me, even after a win, just thinking back on things, uh, Blackhawks go one for six tonight, Edmonton one for three on their power plays. Blackhawks had so many opportunities, were only able to muster up, what, seven shots on goal between the six power plays, whereas the Oilers um, mustered six shots on goal between three power plays. Um, If you are giving 
given an opportunity on a silver platter, you absolutely need to take advantage of it because that's not always going to happen going hey. forward. You need to take advantage of it. So if I, I were going to go and get into keys, and we will get into that for game four at the end of this episode, but I would be remiss if I didn't touch on this while we're talking about the second period in this game. You need to capitalize. Um, it looked better in game one when obviously, you know, they, they had what, three for six game one, mm-hmm. uh, only one for six tonight. That is not going to get the job done against the Edmonton Oilers team. Hey, I was talking about it on Twitter a little bit. I said, you know, what's it like to have a nice power play? What does it feel like? And must I was, be fucking yeah, nice. It must be fucking nice. You know, I, I somebody reminded me, hey, look back to game one. That, that's not exactly what I'm talking about here. It's the fact that when Edmonton gets that power play, they can make things happen. And, I mean, you're talking about the best power play uh, in the last 40 years of the NHL, like something ridiculous mm-hmm. in that in that regard. But, man, like the Blackhawks of the past decade have had some really powerful offensive weapons. You're talking Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, guys like Marion Hosef, Patrick Sharp, all the way up now into, you know, Alex Dabrinkit, Dominic Kubelik. Like there are offensive weapons on this team that know how to score in five-on-five it should be easier, Johnny. Mm. It absolutely should be fucking easier to score on a goddamn power play than it is in five-on-five hockey. Just look at the numbers. You got one less defender out there when you're in the zone, and it just doesn't seem to happen. Whereas you look across the ice here, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, those two guys alone on the power play just know how to connect with each other. The Oilers don't use them. Uh, on the same line at all in the in the regular season, or unless they're down and they go yeah, with the nuclear. with the Q nuclear approach. But when these guys get together on the power play, they just seem to connect. And you know the Hawks, for as many offensive weapons as they had and have had and still do have, it should be easier for this team to score at will in my opinion and when i say score at will i mean like maybe like a 40 percent uh range into like the somewhere between 25 and 40 percent they should be converting that that just i i feel like that should be easier for the hawks yeah so i mean that 40 would be unbelievable and blowing edmonton's numbers out of the water there but yeah i think the uh you know 25 would be especially given the talent that would be a good number to strive for um, here. But we, we'll get into um, a little bit more of keys of the game at the end here. Uh, now, on to the fun stuff, Tony. Uh, third period, uh, we were all uh, clenching our butts for a while. Yes. Um, it, it was tense, um, just felt like playoff hockey. It was playoff hockey, but, you know, you finally get that feeling back after being removed from it for so long, being removed from sports uh, in general uh, due to the pandemic, obviously. But um, it, it was nice to feel that emotion, even if it was extremely, nerve-wracking for a while um but in this one you know the the Blackhawks tightening up here because I'm looking at the scoring column here and the blue is only in periods one and two so um obviously you know the team that's down is going to press a little more no doubt about that Mm -hmm. but it, it is easy to let up uh, goals against this Edmonton team because they're so slippery. Uh, they got guys beyond uh, even Dreisaitl and McDavid. I know they did all the scoring tonight, but uh, Andreas Hathenasiu, he can easily slip behind a defenseman who's uh, pinching up into the play. So uh, props to Crow and uh, defenders getting back in this third period. But let's talk about the goals here, Tony. Uh, Slater Cuckoo's shot um, comes from the right point, and no, who else but Matthew Highmore 
to redirect it. Uh, Olimata had a secondary assist on it. Um, they, obviously, Cuckoo getting the primary uh, with the shot and Highmore the goal uh, on the redirect. I love he kind of went down to one knee, did like a Ben Smith uh, 2011 Vancouver Selly Tony. Um, but just on this play, we'll talk about Highmore in a second. But would you, it, it, coming into the series, if I would have asked which defensemen are the Blackhawks going to get the most offensive production out of, who would you have said? I mean, there's you can make a case for Duncan Keith or Connor Murphy, but it was not going to be Slater Cuckoo at all. Like I, I just that's probably the last name that I was expecting. <laughs> He's probably the last one in on the decor. Yeah, so uh, I probably would have said Adam Boquist first. That would have been my first one, and then maybe Connor Murphy if you're talking about blast from the point that would lead to assists. Um, but obviously Murphy and DeHaan assigned to more of a shutdown role, and it's weird because people like to jump on uh, Mata and Cuckoo and they get caught out of position, and McDavid and Dreisaitl make them look silly like in Game 2. But they just have a knack uh, for Putting the puck back and forth, obviously that was a cross-ice pass from Mata to Cuckoo to change the direction on that. Cuckoo with the shot, uh, that seeing eye for Highmore to the, in the slot um, to redirect it uh, past Koskinen. So um, I think Cuckoo could have been up there because he kind of plays that game and he's got some decent speed. But I definitely uh, would say that I wouldn't have expected it. And I would have expected those guys to have much less ice time. Um, yes, just because that's exactly that's, where I was going. That's the other thing, yeah. So when you asked so. me that when you asked me that question, which Blackhawks defenseman do you think is going to have the most offensive Mm-hmm. Uh, points or whatever. I'm looking at Connor Murphy and Duncan Keith just based on the fact alone that they're going to be on the ice probably the most out of anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but like I said, Cuckoo with the shot. Highmore, um, great to see him uh, pick up a goal in this one. This was the uh, tying goal, came at the 14 13 mark that we're discussing here. Um, th- that guy, you and me have talked about it a little bit, so I wanted to air it out for our listeners. We talked about it just sitting next to each other in your garage watching yep. the games. But Matthew Highmore is a magnet for contact. Doesn't matter what it is. Hitting someone else, receiving it along the boards, or trying to, uh, you know, corral the puck. And he did it at the most opportunistic time yes. by putting his stick into the lane where Slater Cuckoo's shot was and redirecting it. Um, just nice to see a guy who is, you know, very unsung uh, get rewarded in this game. Yeah, you know, I think I said this after game one too, Johnny, because we, to, we got to take that one in together as well. But I was really impressed with Matthew Highmore, and I, I think I may have mentioned him on the show as well after game one. Mm-hmm, but did. Uh, I think he was Pat Comiskey's stick to click tonight. Was it tonight or game two? I think it was tonight. I can't remember, but uh, we'll have to go back and check the chats. Uh, It was game two. It was game two. So he was off by one. He was off by one, but Matthew Highmore, like showing up in a playoff series, the the role players are how you get this shit done. Yes, your stars have to show up. But your role players, when you get that secondary scoring, like that's that's where you can really beat people. Is when you've got your fourth line out there and somebody just pots one like that. It's unexpected and it just adds to it, man. Like you talk about like rolling through starters in baseball when you can roll lines in hockey and like that is where. When everything's clicking, you can do stuff. And Matthew Highmore is exactly the type of guy that the Hawks, you don't have to count on him. Yeah. But when he gets stuff done, there you go. There's the difference in tonight's game. 
Yeah, and you want to talk about being efficient. Uh, Matthew Highmore, lowest of all forwards in time on ice. And granted, a lot of this came because it wasn't he was getting, uh, you, you know, in the doghouse for Colleton. It was because there were so many special teams going right. on. And he doesn't play too. He plays a little bit of PK time, but not, not on the power play at all, obviously. So his ice time, 7.38 tonight, a goal and assist. Um, and he also had a one shot, uh, two hits, and a block. Uh, in this one as well. So talk about efficiency. Matthew Highmore, your efficient king tonight. So um, from there, like I said, that was a 14-13 mark of the third period. Matthew Highmore's redirect goal. Um, as we're getting down to the wire here, you and me are pacing back and forth in the garage, uh, yep. swearing up a storm yes. uh, every time the puck goes down into our end of the ice. Um, but eventually Blackhawks get it back. And with one sixteen remaining in the game, uh, it was a Connor Murphy shot from the right point. Uh, Jonathan Taves out in front. Ethan Bear kind of poked his stick in, came and hit off of Bear's stick, off of Taves' knee, into the back of the net. Blackhawks take the lead. Like I said, one sixteen left. Uh, the boys were able to lock it down defensively at the other end. Duncan Keith just missed an open net uh, for that empty net uh, attempt. But, um, you, you know, for that one on Taves uh, getting the goal, I think it's fitting because, uh, you know, he wins the faceoff, uh, lets the play develop, gets right to where he should be in front of yep. the net, uh, and cashes in. So uh, good vision by Murphy, too, on the shot. What do you think? Hey. I said it before, it doesn't matter how the goal gets into the back of the net. It matters that <coughs> excuse me. Matters that you are in the right place at the right time to make that play. Jonathan Taves, you broke it down very nicely there, Johnny. Um, in the right spot at the right time. And if he's not there, we might be talking about a game that's going to overtime at this point. In time. If he's not there, that uh, goes into the corner and yeah. Bear is probably able to clear it down. Yeah. You you don't know what's gonna happen. Um, just, you know, it's a game of inches. If his knee isn't right there in that spot at that exact moment, uh, we're, we could be talking about a loss tonight. Jonathan Taves did what he needed to do tonight. He played a very effective hockey game and he gets rewarded. Yeah, gets he, he gets rewarded for what he did. Yeah, Jonathan Taves having a big series now. He had the two goals, obviously, in game one, uh, two more tonight. Like I said, even though none of them touched his stick, really. Yep. Um, but we, we will take it. And it's nice to see that coming from Taves because usually we're talking about Patrick Kane scoring all these. So that's another factor that we haven't even got into yeah, looking ahead to game four. So, um, but, but just running this one back down, like we had mentioned, uh, four to three, thrilling victory for the Blackhawks tonight. Uh, they take a two to one series lead over the Edmonton Oilers. It will be an elimination game for the Edmonton Oilers on Friday night. And that game is scheduled now. We have a time for that. It broke today. Uh, that will be a 5.45 p.m. Central time start. So that's Chicago time. Uh, figure that out for your time zones. Um, we're local here. <laughs> <laughs> and that game will be on NBC Sports Chicago here and then uh, nationally Sportsnet. And uh, NBC Sportsnet will carry that as well. So um, getting into um, this next game here coming up, game four, you got to expect that. Edmonton, I mean, they have to. They're going to come out hungry as all hell. Um, their season's on the line here. That's exactly what I was going to say, is expect Connor McDavid to be playing with the chip on his shoulder. And we saw what happened after uh, the Game 1 victory for the Hawks. Connor McDavid comes out and just looked absolutely phenomenal. And everything that you would imagine uh, arguably the best player in hockey to be. Um, you're go you're going to get a pissed off Edmonton team. 
you injured one of their guys tonight. We didn't even get into that. Kirby Doc on Tyler Ennis. Yep. Um, clean hit, but uh, you know, yeah, awkward. Yeah, awkward. It was it was very awkward positioning. Uh, you're going to expect to have them come out and just be trying to get that first goal. And we talk about weathering the storm, Johnny, all the time. You got to weather that storm until you can get your opportunities and you have to capitalize. You have to be opportunistic. We talk about this. I think this goes for every sport. When you're in the position to do damage, you have to take it and you have to convert. And I think that's what the Blackhawks are going to have to do. Um, doesn't matter who it is, what position they're in, they're just going to have to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, talking about a few specific keys to this game that I have, um, you know, in, in game one, it was all Blackhawks at five versus five. Um, and obviously they had a couple – Power play tallies as well to go along with that to help supplement it. Um, but the Blackhawks really played the game that they wanted to and controlled it five on five. Uh, tonight, not so much the same story. Um, Edmonton was, uh, you know, the arguably the better team here at five on five. Um, they just by a little bit in the Corsi ratings um, and then in uh, scoring chances as well. And you're talking high danger chances as well. Edmonton with the lead in all those categories at five v five. So recapture that part of the game because um, Edmonton's going to get there if you've seen it on the power play. It's going to happen. So you stay disciplined as possible. Tonight, um, although I'd like to go to the box no times, going to the box only three times is better than, you know, five, Mm -hmm. six, like Edmonton allowed for us tonight. So um, just keep that discipline there. And then the other thing will be control the center of the ice better. Um, When you're looking at the heat map of where uh, chances came from, Edmonton really jams up the center of the ice. They get there, find those slot shots, uh, bang around the net. I see three goals right here, all right around um, Corey Crawford's glove side here um and obviously the blackhawks had a couple uh thanks to redirects out front but on um, controlling the center of the ice both at both ends of the ice is going to be huge eliminating uh edmonton oilers as they come through uh the center and then finding your way uh to get there when you're in the offensive zone i know it's not always the easiest thing you got sticks in the way um but look a guy like dominic kubli can set up uh in the high slot and absolutely bang home uh, goals off the crossbar. So uh, I'd like to see more of that. Those would be my keys. Uh, what are you looking for from the Hawks in game four? Hey, I'm looking for some more supplemental scoring, and it's not even supplemental. We've got two guys that were really quiet tonight. Alex Debrinkit, Dominic Kubelik. These are guys that know how to put the puck in the back of the net. And I, I even put a tweet out today, missing. I'd like to file a missing persons report. Where is Alex Debrinkit? You can get this guy in the score sheet one or two times. He's capable of scoring multiple goals in a game. You get him on the score sheet. You supplement that with a a really good performance from Patrick Kane. You're talking about a victory. Go back to the hotel rooms. Celebrate with champagne. I don't care. It it doesn't matter. You have to get that supplemental scoring from your... your, I I call them kind of secondary scores, Johnny. Mm -hmm. Those are the type of guys I'm talking about. Because, yeah, they're still elite players, but there's front line, and then there are the supplemental supplemental, uh, scores. Brandon Saad is another guy I would consider in that. Uh, He's had a pretty decent series himself, but uh, let's get these guys on the score sheet. These are the type of guys that can carry a game. You get a goal from Brandon Saad, Dominic Kubelik, and Alex Dabrinkit, 
and I think Friday night's going to be a great night. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that key a lot. Um, Alex Dubrinkit was a guy that our guy Blackhawks D-Zone wrote an article about over at ontapsportsnet.com. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, um, definitely do because, you know, like Tony was just mentioning, uh, you get this guy going a little bit and confidence could be through the roof. Uh, he's got such a nice shot. I know the shooting percentage was abysmal this year for him, but uh, you have to think with the release that he has, um, one can find at least one can find the back yes. of the net uh, coming up here. And then, you know, Dominic Kubali quiet tonight. Uh, in the scoring department here, uh, only notable thing uh, was uh, you know two penalty minutes for him. But um, after a five point performance in game one, we know it can yes. uh, come from him. So uh, I'd like to see all those guys get activated here. But another one that we're talking about, um, if I'm talking about a guy, uh, and I think I'm going to have to go back to him for stick to click. That's kind of what I'm moving into here. Um, game four, an elimination game, is what what someone may call showtime. Yes. And I look for Patrick Kane. Uh, he had, obviously, the goal um, to get the Blackhawks on the board in Game 2. But um, if you're looking for someone to lock down a series killer mentality, heartbreaker, someone might say, showtime. Patrick Kane gets it done. My stick-to-click for Game 4 on Friday night. Who, who are you going with? Hey, you know, you might have stole mine. I, I, I really want to see the Patrick Kane game this Series, yeah. McDavid and Drysaitel have gotten theirs. Whereas yes. Patrick Kane's, uh, you know, uh, highlights. It's I love seeing Jonathan Taves in there. Don't get me wrong, but Kane is the one that you would have expected that from first, right? Yes, exactly. And, and even in some of the Blackhawks' losses in, in playoff series that we've had um, over the last ten years, Patrick Kane still has that game where he shows up. And he is the dominating force on the ice, and he's always going to have that ability to do that. Um, it's just it's something that, that, I mean, he's just such a special talent. Um, so I really like that pick, Johnny. Um, I, I want to go up, off the wall. I want to go off the wall, though. I, I, I feel like I can't take the same one as you. Um, so I'm looking at names here. Uh, Dylan Strom kind of sticks out. But I really like the way Kirby Doc played yes, tonight. He did have a strong game. He, he had a very strong game. A lot of jump. A lot of jump. Uh, great screen earlier. Big hits. Finishing his checks. The big body. I feel like the Edmonton Oilers are scared of Kirby Doc. And you saw a cheap shot come at a low hit, aimed towards his knees late in the game. Uh, there was a little bit of a scare there. I think Kirby Doc is the kind of kid right now where. You want to write fairy tale stories? Here it is. Kirby Doc calls off for like two goals for the game winner, and and just uh, I, I want to write that fairy tale ending for the series. I think Kirby Doc's the kind of guy that can get that done. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was one thing that we didn't really touch on too much since he wasn't um, on the score sheet besides uh, an assist here, but um, he was close. He hit one of those posts. We talked about five posts for the Blackhawks tonight. He was one of them there. He had the screen on the first goal. Uh, only amount of shot goes through because Kirby Doc is in front taking away Koskinen's eye. So I really like that pick for game four. But um, you got a prediction here uh, before we uh, – I uh, go and close this thing out, Tone. I just want to say one last thing about Kirby Doc tonight, and that's the fact that he led the forward group in time on ice. And that's not something that we've seen mm-hmm. at all for the Blackhawks this year is Kirby Doc leading the forward group with time on ice. 23 minutes, 21 seconds. Jeremy Colleton was leaning on Kirby Doc tonight. 
Yeah, you're seeing that second line come together. Um, it, it has been reformed from uh, the Nylander, Strom, uh, Kane to uh, Kirby Doc centering that group uh, with Alex Debrinkit and Patrick Kane flanking. So uh, that's, that's a lot for a young kid. Yeah, that's a lot for a young kid in a playoff game. You'd expect maybe Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. You've seen D- Patrick Kane get double shifted plenty of times, Johnny, mm-hmm. in Blackhawks hockey, um, and not even reach. 23 minutes of time on ice. I think that's huge. You want predictions, Johnny? I think on Friday night, we're going to be smoking victory cigars. Oh, I like that. And um, just for, uh, you know, talking about storylines here, what the NHL wanted, and I'm not saying it's a conspiracy behind it, but I just believe in the... you know, the fight back and the talent that Edmonton has. Uh, hard fought, close game, uh, but I will go with the Oilers pushing this thing to five. Um, probably a five to three uh, score uh, on Friday night, an empty netter at the end uh, to separate that. And we will have a game five on Saturday. That's my prediction. But if you remember, last time we were on the show, I predicted the Blackhawks winning game two. Uh, they lost that. I was not on that post game after game two. So make a prediction. They got to, um, you know, do the opposite. So hopefully we're uh, on your prediction there. Hey, I mean, last you time, predi- you hey, predicted- I, predicted, I predicted a loss exactly tonight. Yeah. I did, I did, I did predict a loss tonight. We've got to have somebody that that carries the uh, the crazy Marchese effect, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we we shall see what happens. Once again, that game is Friday night, uh, five forty five p.m. Uh, Chicago time. Uh, it will be on NBC Sports Chicago, uh, NBC Sports. Uh, network nationally and sports that up in Canada. So um, all that being said, once again, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at four feathers pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. And if you enjoy uh, these post game shows, our elongated episodes, um, anything that four feathers puts out, please give us a five star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts. We would really appreciate it. So Tony, Let's close this thing out like we always do. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.